hey, this is going to be a different process. Fully participatory responsibility. You're going to have to be in this with us. And we get clients that'll be like, yeah, of course. But then, you know, you're giving them homework and it's just like radio silence, radio silence. If you look at a seed germinating and growing, it's like, okay, when, when was it doing its site analysis? You know, like, was that, and when, when did it stop that and say tick? And then when did it move on to yeah. getting yeah. a design together for its, you know, for its future shape? And then when did it, <laughs> it's like, if we're wanting to take inspiration from life, what the hell are we doing? Thinking that some yeah. rigid linear procedure is, is the answer. And one neat thing about it too, is that because we're working together over a long time and I'm helping them discover and manifest their dreams, they end up liking me quite a lot. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Making Permaculture Stronger podcast. This is Dan Palmer, this is episode 42, and today I'm going to share the second half of the initial conversation I enjoyed with Scott Gallant from Paul Veneer Design over in Costa Rica a little over a month back. Our topic being what a more living design process might look and feel like inside the practical realities of professional permaculture design consultancy. And on that front, if you're interested, the last post on the blog was a video presentation that I shared to an international group a few weeks back where I gave some specific examples of living design process at work with a lot of visual imagery and drone footage and stuff like that. So you can track that down on the blog at makingpermaculturestronger.net if you're interested in diving into living design process more, or if you're scroll right down to the bottom of the home page you'll see categories and you can click on living design process as a category and moving forward that'll pull up any um, any posts that that speak to that topic and um, I'd also recommend listening to the previous episode um, episode 41 before this one given this is the second half of the conversation that started there but see how you travel and um, let's jump in there with Scott I'll check in with you again at the end and thanks so much to Scott for showing up and for the beautiful energy and attitude he's bringing to this uh, roving evolving dialogue so you're when you're in this process of, of reading the the people involved is there kind of like a final outcome you hope to get out of that to be able to like move forward because mm-hmm. yeah. you could keep talking for you know hours or days or <laughs> you only have so much time and they only yeah, have so totally. much money right and and so yeah. Yeah. like at what point does it feel like all right this is what we have and we're going to move forward obviously you're getting mm-hmm. you know you're getting more information as you go through the process and you're adjusting and Yep. And, and you continue in this process, but like what feels like enough to start making decisions for yep. you? Like, what do you, what are you seeking? It's so great. It's great, great question, Scott. <laughs> it's really great. And it's a really important one. I'll make a couple of points. The first one is that when I first started working this way, I was a lot more strict and I had a very yeah. clear idea of, we need to get to at least this point. I need to be at least this clear and know this, this, and this before we can move ahead. Because otherwise I just don't know. I don't have a criteria. Like I don't know where we're heading. We don't have a destination here. It's too vague. And what I would want to get to in those cases, it would depend on the the scale or the and the and the flavor of the engagement. You know, sometimes, like you you were saying, sometimes I've I've had in the last two years I've had at one one end of the continuum someone engaged me for I think it was three hours, something like that. Yeah. Three or four <laughs> hours. You know, and that's it. And they're away. They're doing stuff. That's what they're all after. They that's all they needed to get get rolling and they're in t- I connected them with earth moves and everything else and they're developing their place so in that case yeah it was like we, we met at a cafe prior and we had like half an hour you know because i was like at the very least i needed half an hour of that four hours 
to know what you're after. And so the criteria, the bar was a lot lower. Most engagements were for a lot longer and, and increasingly these days they'll range from being part of the project for between two and 10 years and okay. seeing people a lot more earlier on, but yeah. still maybe might even, might get to a point where like in some projects, they'll call me in once a year because they're more or less up and running occasionally and they just need a bit of a hand. And those projects where I can sense it's going in that direction, previously I would want to get to a fully articulated holistic context, mm-hmm. which I know you're familiar with, so I'd want a, a statement of purpose for the project that wasn't generic, that wasn't just a kind of a, yeah, we'll write some pretty words down, it was like, it was specific to you and that you can't read it without me sensing that your spine is tingling or you start crying or something. I, you need to, I need to know that this moves you, that, that, that this excites you deeply enough to motivate you to go through all the challenges you're about to <laughs> go into and to pull this off. And at least, you know, five to eight quality of life statements, which sit underneath that, that statement of purpose. And I mean, I've got lots of examples of any of those relevant where the quality of life, if the, if the statement of purpose is what's your destination, where are we heading here? Where's your North star or your magnetic North or whatever you want to call it, the quality of life statement. So what are the core things that, what are the core values or things that you need to be true along the way? If the journey itself basically doesn't suck or, or it's as fulfilling as it possibly could be, because sure you might know where you're heading, but you might head there in a way that drives you nuts or burns you out, which is quite a common scenario or, or, destroys your relationship or whatever or pisses off your kids or you know, whatever else so let's get all that stuff in there what matters to you along the way so at the very least i have those two things i'm, I'm clear on where we're heading so month day by day month by month i myself as a as a process facilitator can gauge are we on track or off track we actually know where the track is even though well we know where the track is leading us to i should say because the track doesn't exist until we start walking on it right that's the whole idea of generative transformation there's no pre-existing track like a, you could sit you could say a master plan or a design is like here's the track <laughs> this is the, this is your track for the next 20 years whereas my approach is like here's your next step right now and then the, and here's mm-hmm. the next step and here's your next step that you've we've found together and oh if we look backwards we can see a track that we've we've made by walking on it but we don't know 100 percent where we're going to be next week i had a second oh yeah yeah so so that that was where i was these days i'm a lot more fluid i'm relaxing into the process i feel like i'm more in touch with the underlying principles which means that i can i can flow with things and i can work with people's energies in a much more accommodating way like i've got a project at the moment for example where so long as i feel that i'm getting closer to those things and i don't even need people to necessarily articulate them in that particular format because sometimes that can be actually a bit impositional it's like well here's my model and you have to fit into my model sometimes it it works for people if it doesn't it's like i don't really care what the model is or what you call them but one way or another i need to feel that i'm in touch with who you are and and, you know where we're heading here and and i'm happy to kind of monitor that intuitively and play that by ear and sometimes what it means or quite often what it means these days is really softening and dissolving the boundary between you know so we're going to get to a certain amount of clarity on what you're about and then we're going to move to stage two which is looking at the land and then we're going to move to stage three which is figuring out what to do next or that kind of thing all those things i don't need those to be rigid distinctions anymore so i might be like all right you're in lockdown you're itching to do some meaningful activities mm-hmm. and start planting trees or doing something on the land in the next six weeks let's take a walk and, and find a place where you could plant a tree. You could always move it later, but let's find a place where you could get started yeah. along the way. I'm going to see you interacting with your kids. I'm going to, we're going to start getting to know each other. So I'm mm-hmm. progressing. So part of the big shift is for me was realizing how deeply I understood process as what I now would call procedure, which is a linear sequence of steps as opposed to the process as in the like, living process, 
which is where it's all happening all at once. You know, like if you look at a seed germinating and growing, it's like, okay, when, when was it doing its site analysis? You know, like was that, and when, when did it stop that and say tick? And then when did it move on to yeah. getting yeah. a design together for its, you know, for its future shape? And then when did it, <laughs> it's like, if we're wanting to take inspiration from life, what the hell are we doing? Thinking that some yeah. rigid linear procedure is, is the answer. Understand the underlying principles and just start to surf and dance and, and enjoy it. Do you find that you have clients that maybe like really struggle to articulate their, their goals or it feels really hard to pull out what their like, I guess, unique essence to use some of the language mm-hmm. is? Um, that, that, seems, that happens to us a, a fair amount where it feels very generic. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that's, you know, I think our uh, inexperience in facilitating these conversations. Um, I think part of it, uh, our context of clients are, they're often, not always, but um, it's like second homeowners and people that just like, they're not doing the physical work themselves. Yep. I'm, I'm curious kind of if, if you run into challenges like that and, and mm-hmm. how you might address that. Yeah, yeah, good question. Yeah, I mean, it's a challenge for everybody. One of my f- favorite Christopher Alexander quotes is that it is extremely hard to help people tell you what they want. You know what I mean? I, I wrote that down when I heard you say oh, that. Isn't that great? It's so true. It it's so true. Because yeah. when I started, I'd be like, what do you want? And I'd be a bit kind of nervous and wanting to impress them and everything. And yes, I'm worth the money. What do you want? Let's tell me something they want. I'll write it down and say, okay, that's what you want. Right, let's, let's try and give you what you want. And I realized that is never, ever what they want it's it's the start of a conversation that hopefully might reveal something of what they really deeply want and the topic we might come back to i think maybe even in in our next conversation which i'm already keen for i'm having fun um (laughs) which is that you talked about do i ever have challenges in helping clients articulate their goals and when i talked about what i was after earlier on it was nothing to do with goals it was to do with with your deep intention like where, where are you heading at a deep level and what are the things you need to feel are true along the way as opposed to a goal, which is a specific objective or milestone that you're aiming for. And of course, when you ask yeah. clients what they want, they just blast you with goals. You know, yeah. we want tropical agroforestry. We want whatever you think is good for us. Or, or we want, um, you know, we want aquaculture. We want a yoga retreat. We want, you name it, and f- yeah. fill in the blank. And so one, one thing I've had to cultivate and develop in myself is the ability to a, honor the beautiful energy behind that they're bringing to me because I'm not just going to say, sorry, those are goals. Don't want to hear about goals. <laughs> Shut up with the goals. Let's right, go back a right. step. So I'm, lis- I'm listening to what, well, they're telling me the goals. I'm not listening to the content of the goals. I'm listening for the energy behind the goals and asking mm. questions to deepen the conversation. That is a skill and it's something I'm still getting better at. And I love it. I love the challenge. I mean, I've got some pretty, yeah. pretty funny stories about like some clients are tough nuts to crack. The thing is, right, the, one of the ways I see it is that deep down, everybody wants to, um, I don't know what to say, bear their soul to the world. Everyone, deep down, everyone wants to be seen for who they really are um, and to have who they really are kind of affirmed and validated and supported to grow and evolve. Even the toughest kind of, you know, ruggedest, swear word ridden tough person. <laughs> Underneath all those layers, there's a, there's a, there's a marshmallow being in there. And I've, I've yeah. loved the challenge of showing mm. up in a way where, and a big part of it is how I am in relationship to, who I, to my being and, and, and just carrying the, well, what my being state is in terms of having, a, I don't know, an underlying confidence and faith in, in myself and what I'm doing, to be able to meet someone in the eye and be with them and show up in a way where it's clear 
that the conversation isn't progressing until you give me something like just throw me mm. a few crumbs of what you're really about deep down because right now it's you're putting on this big layer of armor and we i need that to crack open a bit because i can't work with armor i can't work with yeah. you know just your surface layers of your personality which includes what you think you want i need to know something about who you actually are it really sounds like you know it's for you, it's just been like a process of learning and, and like mm. developing that skill set and that experience over time. And I mean, the same as reading the, the physical landscape, right? You can you can have your books and your checklists mm. and things, but until you like do it a hundred times, it, you know, it's going to be uh, mechanistic. Is one of the words you used earlier? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's it's yeah, it totally is a learning thing, and it's. One, one thing I want to stress is that it, the way you can develop any of these skills is by practicing. When I first saw David Holmgren read Landscape, he just freaked me out. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, how can I ever achieve anything like that? Like, I'm a mortal. He's some sort of god. And I remember, I mean, I, I, I brought him in on a project and he read Landscape for seven hours and my spinal cord was quivering for days afterwards. And it was just like, oh, blah, blah, blah. and I felt like so inept, even just like walking outside of my house. I was like, ah. Oh, I need to know what, what kind of landform that is, what kind of tree that is, what kind of soil are we on, what was happening here a million years ago, all that kind of stuff. And that was very limiting, right? It, it, it basically took me out of the moment and totally destroyed my ability to start practicing, which I had to relax into, which is like, okay, I'm not David Holmgren. <laughs> I don't know anything about reading landscape, but I know that's a tree. Like I'm pretty sure that thing there is a tree and that is a shrub, all right? That's where I'm at, that's where I'm at. And that's okay. And yeah. if I can just relax into the fact that I know that's a tree and that's a shrub, maybe tomorrow I'll figure out that that tree there is a acacia and that tree there is a eucalypt. It's like my world just expanded. And that's all David did, right? He didn't know the stuff when he was a baby. He learned it. Yeah. Tree by yeah. tree, shrub by shrub. Um, and same with reading people. And, and it doesn't mean that you can't start. Like everyone can do this tomorrow. It's more to me about holding the question, which is, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I, I don't, mm -hmm. I'm new to this. But my question is, who are you uniquely? And I just, I just want to get yeah. a bit more of a sense than I did with the last project. And that's okay. And we'll work with that. And of course, I know that as we move forward, it'll, we'll get closer. So it's, this is applying the process to itself, you know? Yeah. Yeah, right. So it, it's interesting. So we, we just kind of redid our website and, and we're just like reflecting in the same process of like, all right, what, what language do we want to use? And, and it seems like one of the best places to start is just like setting expectations like right away with clients of mm. like, Hey, this is going to be a different process, like fully participatory responsibility. You're gonna have to be in this with us. And we get clients that'll be like, yeah, of course. But then, mm. you know, you're giving them homework and it's just like radio silence, radio silence, mm. but planting mm. season's coming and you kind of got to move forward anyway. Mm. If you want to, you know, have achieve the, you know, the planting that you're talking about or get the pond installed or whatever. And so I, I guess it's maybe two questions. Like, have you run into clients that are resistant to that participation? Don't respond to their homework. And then also, you know, what type of language do you use like really early on to just prepare people that, Hey, this is, this is a different thing. You're not hiring me to come in and tell you what to do and you got to be on board. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just about that a little bit. Yeah, it's an, another excellent question. One thing is, yeah, I run into I've run into every every kind of client, I reckon, or, or most of them. There's probably probably some surprises ahead, but I've covered some territory. 
One thing to mention is that I talked about how I've kind of relaxed the process a bit because I feel like I'm more in touch with what really matters and the details can vary. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the things that can vary is is my sense of how much the clients even understand what the process is. So long as I have enough of a sense of they have the potential or I can sense that they, they might open up to this and they might take some steps in this direction, then sometimes I'll decide to work with them. And I was going to say that... Oh yeah, so a huge a huge part of this for me is a bit been about my own development and my own understanding of what matters to me. So what's my what are my core values? What do I most deeply want to be true of the way I work? I go into any potential client engagement. I already have a, a very clear filter or criteria where the conversation is really the energy I'm bringing is, are you the right kind of person to for me to work the way I want to work because the way I want to work is the way I want to work and it's not negotiable and that's cool. Like if you if you're not into it, that's so cool. Let's find out yeah. as soon as possible and go our separate ways or I'll recommend you to somebody else. That said, it's not like I need everyone to say, yeah, Dan, we totally love the entire thing. We're fully on board. Give us some homework today. I, I just need to get a hint that they're open to these possibilities and I'll start to, yeah. um, start to work with them and the, and the thing will, will grow and evolve. And in some, sometimes early on, or in some okay. cases, I may never actually give homework. We may actually be doing the work together every step of the way. And sometimes I will take more of a lead. There's sort of exceptions to most of the things I'm saying, so long as the underlying principles are being honored, which it's, I, don't, I, I can't deal with that energy of lights are out, you're not home anymore, you're not that interested, you just want me to go and be another worker. Just to, you know, I know you work with a lot of wealthy people which, and they're very used to this. It's like, we want to get something done, we throw some money at someone, tell them to do it and they do it and we can just go to sleep and we'll come back six times a year to our Costa Rican retreat or whatever and, and, and we'll, <laughs> we'll benefit from all the nice plants they've planted. That, I'm pretty clear, that doesn't, that doesn't work for me, right? And the yeah. other thing is too, is at the same time, if something that really matters to you and you're just getting started out is making a living with the stuff, you'll have to make <laughs> some choices, right? Sometimes you're going to take jobs to feed your family or whatever. Then over time, as you gain momentum and you and and, and all that, you you can um, you can get better and better. One, one last thing I'll mention though is that I'm finding more and more yeah. that deep down, <laughs> this, this might sound terrible, Deep down, everyone wants to work the way I want to work. Mm, deep down, everyone really wants my process. Now, what, what I'm saying is that it was like what I was saying before. Deep down, everyone deep wants to be seen and, and, and heard as who they really are and to express their uniqueness in the world. That's, that's a foundational belief I have. And for a lot of people, they won't open up until they sense that the person they're encountering is, 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 is I don't know if it's so worthy, but is, is capable of that, you know, if they if they think you're a bit flaky and a bit of whatever, whatever, what are their stories? They think this is just some sort of permaculture hippie. They, they're young. They don't really know what they're doing. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna categorize them as another employee or whatever else. But I'm finding more and more as I can do my own work on, you know, my own stuff about that, and I can just show up and this is who I am. This is the yeah. way I work, and I can come back to that basic message, which is what I'm what I'm aspiring towards here is supporting you to generate the best possible outcomes that make you as deeply fulfilled and happy as possible along the way. Like that's yeah. like, I'm talking about a process that honors you as deeply as possible and your place as deeply as possible and finds the point of overlap and, and creates these exquisite forms out of that, that are just like off the charts, adapted and beautiful and harmonious. And like, if people really get that message, it's pretty hard message to say no to at the same time. There are people that are just really busy and flustered and they just want the, you know, you're the expert, do this thing for me. I don't give us, I don't care about the details. That's where I let them be there. That's fine. Almost all the time I'll, I won't choose to work with them, but it's yeah. like, it's like, I'm never, I'm never trying to 
force someone to be somewhere they're not, or well, or someone they're not. At the same time, I am trying to meet them at the edge of where they are and support their development in the, in the development of the process. I just don't want people to miss out. You know, like right. Chris Alexander puts it so well with this whole outsourcing responsibility thing. He says it's ridiculous. It's gotten to the point where people will pay an interior designer to choose their wallpaper for them. You know, to choose the, <laughs> the interior wall covering that they look at every day of their life. You know, it's like they're giving, they're giving their, 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 they're paying others to take their life away from them. I want people to pay yeah. me to help support them to take their life back. And that idea that we're human beings, like we evolved in a context where the deepest joy in life was about in community and in exquisite, deep non-separateness with the ecologies we're part of daily crafting and shaping our, our livings and our homes and our landscapes. Like that's what a human is, is it's what we've come from. Right. And yeah, and, and, and unless I'm helping people even take tiny little baby steps back to that, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in supporting them to continue going off the rails, so to speak. I mean, it's, it's like so much more exciting. We'll get a client inquiries and you're just kind of like, eh, you know, it, you know, sometimes you're just like, that's not going to be that fun of a project because it's, it's generic. And, and so we're, that's why we're so interested in this process of empowerment. And one of the things that, is, I don't know, maybe intimidating for us at this stage in the business that you just alluded to that we're young business and we're not really at a place where we can turn down work. Um, although we're hiring somebody, we're like right at our capacity. Do you find that this process has changed as, you, as you've shifted into this kind of essence process and client empowerment? Part of me feels like it would be more expensive for people. And so instead of just us coming in for like two days and we're going to drop all the trees in and, you know, do all these things, it's like, no, we're going to be working with you over a multi-month period. We're going to give you homework and we're going to go to the site together and you're going to tell us what you see and, and you're going to talk to us about how you want your garden and then we're going to give you feedback and redesign it. Like that's way more interesting and way more fun, but it's probably more of our time. Like I don't, I don't really know if that's true yet because we haven't gone down that route, but I'm curious for you, like, does that feel like it limits clients, you know, as a business perspective, like maybe that's, that's fine. You're at that place where you can do that, which is awesome. But could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I'm just going to make two quick points prior. One is don't get too hung up on the homework thing. Like I said, sometimes I don't give people homework. The question I asked every step of the way is, is what I'm about to suggest happens. Could the, could the, could my clients do that? Are they ready to take that on? If so, why Mm. wouldn't I let them do it? Why would I do it myself? And this is going to, this is going to come back to the cost question. The other thing is that any job at all, you know, you're starting a business, you're not, you're not going to be turning down work. Every single job has potential. Every single job is going to sit somewhere on a continuum from less living to more living. Every process. Mm. And it doesn't matter what the process is and how lacking it is in life and how people don't care and just want you to be the, the lackeys who they tell you their wish list and you assemble them to master plan, whatever. It doesn't matter. Every process has potential and scope to take at least a tiny step towards life. And so it's not like you're not doing what I'm talking about or, or developing if you're, if, you're, if you're taking on those sorts of jobs. I learned, I've learned so much from those kinds of jobs and sometimes I choose to take them on. Like right now I'm acting as the landscape architect for a 700 apartment development and I'm, I'm actually generating master plans, or what look like master plans for rooftops and podiums and so on. That was part of the deal. I decided to take the job on for other reasons. And yet within, the, within those restrictive parameters, there's so much exciting stuff is happening you know i'm finding whole new ways of working with architects i'm, sh- I'm i can feel the developer shifting and changing and discovering new things are possible and 
so there's all kinds of wins happening and um I mean, yeah, I just wanted to make that point. It's like, don't, uh, that would be a cop out to me. It's like, ah, you know, we, we, we can't get customers like that. If we got customers like Dan could get, then we could do all that stuff. But we've, the, we've got the customers we've got. So we're just going to do the same old stuff forever. So no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell yourself that, but it's not true. Okay. Let's <laughs> get on to the, the money thing. Yeah. Which is a really, really important one. And there's some very, very, uh, maybe unexpected stuff I can share with you here. I remember one of the very one of my first experiments in what I'm calling a full-blown living design process, where I was pretty clear on what it was at the beginning. And the first conversation was, you know, this is I want you know, I want to know a bit about who you are and what you're yeah. what you're aspiring towards, and I, I want you to tell you about who I am and the way I work, and let's find if there's a good fit, which is something I always do, and I don't charge for that. It might be a half an hour, an hour, and I'll yeah. usually it's face to face. It could be online at the current time, but I'll draw diagrams, and I'll, tr- I'll I want to get to a point where I know I get a feeling that they understand enough of what I'm on, on about to. Be, be worth taking a few steps where well, there's no lock in contract by the way and i say that it's like we'll take a few steps every step either of us can decide to pull out so let's let's work together for a day or a week and if we both want to we'll keep going there's it's no it's we've got options so yeah that, that was on 10 acres with four adults two kids and on the four-day advance course that david Homger and i have been running on design process permaculture design process we go there now we went there on that first one and that was a big question in the room it was like hang on dan like you've supported these people to be in control of their own process. You're really good friends with them now. You've obviously seen a lot of them. How much did this cost? Mm-hmm. And I told them the told them the price. Can't remember what it was, like two and a half grand or something, um, which is probably less than what most people charge for a master plan. So everyone was scratching their heads. They're saying, "Hang on a second. How the hell does this compute? Like, are you are you charging two bucks an hour for your time?" It's like, "No, I'm doing I'm doing fine." <laughs> and then I, from memory, it was David Holmgren who who took. He was like, "Hang on. I think I get it. You've got a trick up your sleeve, which is." The clients are doing all the work, <laughs> mm. right? Because, because I'm, I'm a process facilitator. And in that case, they were really up for really pushing the edge and doing almost all of it, taking all the homework on. I was in New Zealand for a lot of the process and they were sending me through videos and you know, they were kind of leading the charge and I was just resourcing each next step until I started to back off. And they, now, now they're just powering along under their own steam uh, mostly. And so, you know, let, let's say for every 100 hours of work that was done on, on this design and land development project, I was only there for 10 or five. And so, and what I'm trying to do, I almost try, I'm trying to push that ratio, not beyond where it can go. I don't want to break the process, but I want to be involved as little as possible. So long as the process is honoring the principles and as healthy as possible. So I can, I can add a lot of value in a relatively Mm. small amount of time. And one other thing I'll mention is that I've had to change the way I think about it. Cause in the past when I was selling plans, you know, we, we actually, we got, we got it so tight that a colleague and I, and then it got to, we were doing individually, we'd walk into someone's place, a suburban property in Melbourne. Um, we'd walk out five hours later and we, in their hands or on their computer or whatever, on their thumb drive was a mm-hmm. completed design to a reasonable wow. degree of detail and a, like a 10 page report. Cause we would just go on there. One of us would start talking to them. The other one would already be typing up the report. You know, right, one of us right, would do right. this. The other one's running out doing the measurements. So we would just smash this thing out and we would leave them with a design report and an invoice done. Right. And then we'd move on. And so the, what, the business model was, okay, so this week we're going to do one, two, three design projects, next week, one, two, three, and so on. So it was one after the other, or sometimes we might have a couple of overlapping because sometimes there, are, there was some follow-up hours. And with this approach where I'm working with people from between two months and two years, and very occasionally for a few hours, but mostly it's an ongoing thing, for, if it's two to 10 years, well, how does that work? What it means is that I can be making the same amount of money, but I've got more projects simultaneously on the go. Mm-hmm. The difference is it's not like oh i've got 10 projects on the go and they're all requiring a whole lot of work 
once the project gets started for the first week or month or two months, I'm putting in a lot of time. Like at the moment I'm starting one off, it's a month and, and we're seeing each other twice a week. But pretty soon that'll drop off. And so there's this real peak of energy and support at the beginning. And as the process gains momentum, I back off. And I'm, I'm actually looking for it. I'm looking for, when can I back off? Oh no, I need to come back, back off. You know, it's more like yeah. a, when can the, the child ride the bike without me, without the training wheels, on the training wheels, yeah. that sort of thing. And so once I'm through that initial spurt, and I don't book in a whole lot of processes starting at the same time, because that could get overwhelming. But once they're, on, they're running, I might have 10 or 12 projects going at once. And, you know, this week I'm servicing these two, next week that two. And so I, I actually have a steady cash flow. And I'm char- I'm, why I'm doing it right now is an hourly rate. I think there's possibilities for me doing it on a retainer model or potentially a, a lump sum, but it's very tricky because you don't, with the living process, you've got no idea how many hours it's going to take. So if it's a hourly rate, I have an online spreadsheet that I see the client see. So every step of the way, they know how many hours I'm doing, what I've been doing. They know what the current total is so they can make decisions and say, hey, we need to slow yeah. it down or, or we're all good or whatever the case is. So everyone's transparent, everyone's aware and I can be invoicing monthly or whatever. And across those jobs, I'm living proof that it can work, you know, that it can work. And I, in my opinion, yeah. you can actually get to a point where you're making more money and it's, it's a lot more predictable from a business perspective. Cause it's like, well, I've got these 12, 20, whatever projects that are ongoing and I'm coming in as needed, as opposed to this, this month I've got, you know, two, I'm doing, drawing up two designs next month. It's one next month. It's three. It's a lot more erratic. Yeah. So r- rather than having, which I mean, I'm sure, I guess there's analogs and other you know, I don't know, business consultancy or something, whatever else, right? Where you end up with, with a number of, co- or coaching, you know, with a number of ongoing clients. And one neat thing about it too, is that because we're working together over a long time and I'm helping them discover and manifest their dreams, they end up liking me quite a lot in general and feeling <laughs> yeah. a lot of gratitude and love toward me, you know? And so I end up with all these amazing close friends um, and we right. obviously really get to know each other. That's part of the job is on, I need to get to know you at the very start and sometimes deeper than most other people you've met in your life have gotten to know you. Um, so it's really enriching in that, uh, in that sense. And so many clients, we end up collaborating and, you know, we end up doing gift economy stuff. And at some point it gets tricky actually, because it's like, uh, you're kind of a friend now. You're not really a client. I feel kind of awkward about invoicing you. So, you know, make me a nice yeah. lunch and send me home with a box. We've, of and... we've run into that not very often, but it, it's reared its head. And so it's, uh, there's a couple of people who are like, no, nope, we're not going to work with you again. We'll do trades, but yeah, you're too nice. No, yeah. We're just, it's, we're friends now. <laughs> it's crossed yeah. some line. Yeah. I, I'm curious, Dan, with, with these clients, where do you find that they need the most support? Where do you, is it more just like a, like a broad guiding of them where they're like, Hey, we need to know, you know, exactly what species to select or like how to build the pond. Is it more the, like the techniques and mm-hmm. individual I, projects? It, I mean, it varies enormously. You know, some people have yeah. a lot of pre-existing knowledge. They've been farming for whatever, 30 years, or um, they've been studying permaculture for a long time. Sometimes I've walked in and they've already, one of them has already got a plan drawn up and they say, this is what we want to do. Can you just sign off on it? And we have a conversation and, um, sometimes that plan goes into the cupboard and stays there and they're grateful for it. And, and whatever happens is nothing at all like that dreamed up plan. Like the process, it's very clear and specific. We, we bring in understandings like the scale of permanence and designing a project appropriate sequence, sequencing of focus and so on. And so whatever needs to happen, happens. One thing that'll happen along the way is if me and the people I'm working with don't have, if I, if I gauge there's not an ex, enough expertise between us to, mm-hmm. to tackle what we're tackling thoroughly enough, I'll bring in an expert. 
I'll bring in the earth worker or the tree person or the whoever else, the mushroom guy. And that's a lot of fun too, because they, they become part yeah. of the, they become part of the team, but every project is just so different. And that's what I love about it. And, and I think it has to be, if it's an authentic process, as opposed to a rigid linear procedure, it's an exciting adventure. I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm not attached to it going anywhere in particular. I mean, it gets to a point where I'd be surprised and sad if they said, Dan, we're done with this stupid process. Um, if it's, <laughs> if it's been going amazingly and I'm loving it and I'm seeing, seeing them, light up so sometimes I'm, yeah. t- I'm dealing with people that know almost nothing um, in terms of landscape and production and all that sometimes people know a lot actually in some ways i prefer less knowledge because too much knowledge is dangerous people can yeah. be very fixed on what they think they know but i enjoy that too it's, it's all it's all um fun you know a big a big part of living design process is honoring reality and territory and, and letting the map follow the territory letting the plan follow the the actual forces of play in a situation and just enjoying those. It's like, oh, well, that's interesting. You know, this, this happened or that happened or something happened in your life that's going to totally shift what seemed like this direction. Oh, all right, how are we going to navigate that? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I just had something pop into my head that I thought would be useful. So I'll go ahead and share it. Please. And I think it'll, I think it'll resonate with a lot of your experience. So, and part of this is from some of the stuff you emailed as well as what you mentioned. So you get a lot of clients, they come in, they've got all these goals. They've got these things they want to do. Um, they've got money, they've got land in, in Costa Rica. They're pretty out of touch with the land and, and they just want this stuff to happen. And they, they're hitting you with this energy, which in one of the frameworks I've learned from Carol Sanford and the Anerogenesis folk called the law of three, they're bringing this very powerful activating energy. Hmm. Like it's, it's active. They're like, we want to do all this stuff. We want to do this and this and this and this. And we're going to transform this place. This place is going to be the model permaculture farm in Costa Rica and this, this and that. And you're just like, whoa. <laughs> and you've got, you got a number of options and um, I'll, I'll, I'll condense those into three one is to say yes all your ideas are brilliant wow you're you're a genius you've just nailed it we'll do everything you say which of course is a path to disaster when 90 percent of it fails dismally and bankrupts them another option is to say hey like i've got to i've just got to stop you there all of this is just ridiculous you know none of this shit's going to work you you've really got to take a chill pill and get in touch with reality and let, let us tell you how it is which is like a punch in the stomach, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> for them. Yeah, deflated. So how deflated. do you, and so what? What you've got to navigate is the middle path, where, in the law of three, you the idea is that you have an activating force, and you've got to meet it with a restraining force. And so I'm consciously doing that now. I'm bringing this framework to my work. It's like I'm getting hit with all these ideas. We want to do this and this, and we want to do this on this hillside, and have all this here, and we want to do it now, now, now. And mm. I, I stand up and I meet them with a restraining force, which isn't about blocking them or not being there and just trying to make the best of this energy, a restraining force creates a condition for a third force, which is a reconciling or harmonizing force. So I'm like, my job is to honor and welcome the underlying energy and motivation and life force you've got and to meet and creatively communicate and navigate around the fact that a lot of stuff, if I was taking you literally, (laughs) I'd be laughing because you can't grow mangoes in Melbourne or whatever the case may be. or cherries in Costa Rica or whatever it is. So I'm going to, I'm going to sort of say yes to the underlying energy, even though I'm, we, I know that the process itself is going to say no to a lot of these details and we're going to find places of overlap between your active energy. And I'm, I'm going to restrain you in ways that kind of encourage the conversation towards some starting points that, that will work. Or sometimes if they're so insistent, it might be, let's plant two of those trees. And when you see them die, you know, when you see your, your European vegetables succumb to tropical fungal root rot or whatever, then you can come to me and say, you know what, you know what, Scott, I, I've decided against that crop because, you know, it's their idea. 
you know, whatever the case may be. Right. But it's like, where, where, yeah. what's the reconciling force? What's the pathway forward here? And if you look for that, it's a, it's a shift too from the problem mindset mm. to the potential mindset rather than how do I arrest disorder here? How do I solve the problem that none of the stuff's going to work and it, all these things are problematic to what's the potential here? What kind of can I take? Or you might say, you know, like, so you're suggesting this, this, and this. An alternative that might do the same thing would be this, and we know this works here, so you could, or whatever, you know. How do we find a, move the energy upwards, away from compromise? You want that, uh, I can't let you do it, you know, to, which is, yeah. as Bill Reed says, is a slow way to die, to harmonizing and, and lifting the conversation up. And I've found every time I've looked for that, we've, we've, I've found it. And sometimes your restraining energy has to be strong, right? Because you get some clients that are just like, they're just so used to, bulldozing through life and making shit happen and imposing their ideas that you've got to really kind of hold yourself regrounded and centered enough to really meet them and have them feel that in a way where they're not feeling attacked or um, right. diminished, but they're, they're actually feeling heard. And oh, I can trust this person. This person's actually going to take my energy uh, and move it forward because it's, it's never about the thing. That's, that's, that's a big realization for me, which I think we'll come back to in the next conversation, which is, relates to the whole conversation about goals and, and yeah. it relates to some of the stuff in your holistic context. I, I can think of some of our clients where we've, I feel like, done that really well. And it's usually happened because we've been able to develop, you know, long-term relationships with them. And, yep. and, you know, you can hear them in a certain way and what they're asking for. And you can, you can provide that, yeah, that restraining energy, which I really like. And then I can think of other projects where you've got a project that's temporarily or permanently on hold. I'm not sure. And I'm quite okay with that because I think it's a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, it wants to build a development on a mountaintop kind of thing and yeah. beautiful view, but it should probably just be a mountain. Like it should yeah. probably just be forest. And, but we can go in there and Nick, we can, we can do some good things and grow like wonderful food for the people that would potentially live there. But my, like all, every part of my body is like, ah, I, I don't think you should build a road up there. I think it's oh. a bad idea and you'll, you'll regret it for forever. It's a classic type one designer. Mm -hmm. Those are, that's, that's like a hard conversation to say where mm. it would basically like shut down the whole project. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and usually what we hope in cases like, that and we've had some luck with this and we've had the opposite is somebody comes to us before buying that piece of land yeah yeah and being like hey we want to do this and we're like, like keep looking versus yeah. buying it and then be like cool we want to do this it's like okay well um that's going to be challenging here's what we can do Let, let's let's tackle those things and these other ideas you have like you're going to need i don't know a structural engineer <laughs> to come in and talk yeah. about that is that we have, we don't know what to do on that steep build a couple houses um, yeah it's it's, it's a really interesting one i've had variations of that so many times i think a big part of it is being in touch enough with your own values right what matters to you and also not being attached to every single project continuing being okay with yeah. pulling the plug because if it gets to the point where you're compromising your integrity or there's any way in which your involvement could be read as supporting some 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 kind of ecological destruction or something then you know there's a point at which we all draw the line and and say, and say i'm out and i've had projects where i've said look you could do that area in this way. It's the antithesis of everything I stand for. So I, I, it had to be very clear that I had nothing to do with this and that I, that I, that I spoke my mind very clearly. It's your life. It's yeah. your money. It's your project. You, you can do whatever you want, but have no, have, have no mistake here. And if there's enough trust and all that, often that'll, they'll be, Oh, don't. No, and we, you need to feel aligned with everything we're doing. So you tell us what, 
give us some other options or not. So sometimes I still go ahead with the project so long as I've, I'm, I'm very clear that there's no way in which my participation is in any way increasing the likelihood of this terrible thing I think is terrible happening. And I might continue to be yeah. involved in other, other places if that's clear. Otherwise, I'm ready to walk away. So just, I feel strongly enough about this to, um, so I'm, I'm going to be pulling out. Let me know if you change your mind. No hard feelings. You know, good on you, but it's not my, my cup of tea. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, we run into that with um, development projects here where it's like, uh, yeah, like they want to build, I don't know, you know, like 20 condos or something on the beach and it's all going to be organic food and landscaping and capture rainwater, all these good things, but still development project. And I don't know, it's a really interesting, like ethical thing to, uh, to think about. And we kind of take it case by case at this point and, and fortunately haven't run into any like really hard walls that we've had to you know, say no to for that specific reason of feeling ethically compromised, but I, uh-huh. I'm sure it'll happen at some point. Yeah. 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 I, with the development thing, I, I love Regenesis perspective, which I've taken on in the work I'm doing mm. with a developer at the moment, which is going in with the volition of even making a tiny contribution to transforming the development industry, you know? So in, in some cases, like I'm work, helping create landscapes on conventionally designed and created architectural things, buildings and all that. Um, and over time, I, I see potential for the way the whole process works to shift, but that's mm-hmm. not going to happen. So I could have walked away, but I chose to take responsibility right. for making, for adding as much beauty as I could to the project in my, in my in the sphere I had control over. And along the way, I'm finding that other things are opening up, you know, and, and like you say, it's case by case. And the thing you don't want to do is look back and think, oh, I feel sick about, you know, contributing to that nightmare right. or whatever, or, or those mm. that community being screwed over or whatever the case may be. Wow. Okay. Well, how are we going? We should check in here. Um, yeah, I, I feel pretty good. I, there's some interesting takeaways. I'm going to look over my notes uh, after the conversation and kind of uh, we're, in, we're in the process of, of trying to summarize our design process a little bit as we're hiring a third person just to paint that picture for them. And, and yeah, yeah. I, I think this will be a really good tool. It's like a chance for us to reset and uh, really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wonderful. Cool. Well, thanks heaps, Scott. That was that was a lot oh, of fun. Yeah, thank you so much for you know just being available for myself and this whole community to have these conversations. I think it's really important. Well, yeah, and I'm so everyone else knows I'm available. If anyone else has questions or wants <laughs> to have a, a conversation, you know, in this kind of framework, or interview me, or you know, just just put it out there. I'm really really into this. I'm actually feeling like I'm moving into a phase of feeling good enough and clear enough about enough of the ideas and the and the practical ways of rolling them out to to offer them and, and share them yeah. by invitation with people who are interested in exploring these edges and also sharing back to me their complementary explorations. You know, I'm conscious yeah. there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of ways of, of exploring this, this space together. And that my friends was the end of my first wonderful conversation with Scott Gallant, uh, who co-directs and co-owns and co-runs the permaculture design firm, Paul Veneer Design, which is, you can find it, paulvenierdesign.com p-o-r-v-e-n-i-r design.com i very much look forward to catching up with scott again soon and hearing how things are going how, how what's happened in terms of their new hire and 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 the results of the, their ongoing experiments in their design consultancy work and we're also going to take a look through the holistic context um, the, the set of the purpose statement and the quality of life statement that they've come up for for their business and and share some more detail about how how that whole approach works one little theme comment I want to pick up on, I had a friend listen to, a, to, to this draft before I released it and something he said that kind of 
we moved we moved past pretty quick, but he felt was really significant. Uh, was was around this little comment I made. And doesn't matter what the process is and how lacking it is in life and how people don't care and just want you to be the the lackeys who they tell you their wish list and you assemble them to master plan, whatever. It doesn't matter. Every process has potential and scope to take at least a tiny step towards life. And I think it is a good one. So I wanted to, to dwell on that a little more. And I, and I do love that, this idea that what's being explored here in terms of living design process does not involve a massive, huge shift that you have to plan for and it's full of uh, risk and uncertainty. What it can involve day to day is just looking for the opportunities to enliven any process you're part of. We're all part of many design and creation processes every day of our lives. And the, the invitation here is to ask the question, well, where, where, does, where am I sitting right now? Where is this process that I am part of and I have some ability to that I'm contributing to and have, have therefore have the ability to uh, contribute differently to, or just another way of saying I'm in part responsible for, so I have the ability to respond differently to. Where does it sit? In terms of how alive is, is it just off the charts, fully alive, fully adapted, fully unfolding in a way that's authentic to the pre-existing life that that we're working with, the the, the actual innards of the, the situation or the field that we're we're seeking to serve here, or is it more in the direction of there's some kind of imposition? If I look, you could just ask that question: To what extent are we are we imposing ideas or? whatever from outside to what what extent are we doing good you know imposing some externally defined definition of what's appropriate here on the situation rather than defining what good is based on what we found here and which is probably not going to marry up exactly with any previous solution in, in any previous project so yeah thanks it was it was Finn over in Edinburgh who who um, mentioned how that landed for him and he thought that was an important point Thanks for prompting me to, to to dwell a little longer, and I would love to hear your reflections of how does this land for you, how does this make sense for you, or not make sense for you, and what kind of questions is it bringing up for you in your own uh, design and creation practice? I, I have a habit, you might notice, of saying design and creation together these days because um, part of the part of the issue I'm exploring is this idea that they've been torn apart, whereas for me they're in a, when they're when they're in a healthy state. That those two things are, are unfolding in a beautiful, reciprocal, symbiotic way. Well, I think I'll wrap it up. It's been a, I think I mentioned last time, it's been a really busy time. Lots is happening here, lots of practical projects, lots of opportunities for me to, to roll out and, and practice the, the, and evolve the, the ideas I, I explore with all these wonderful guests. Lots of interesting podcast episodes in the pipeline. One very exciting um, turn of events is that I've crossed some sort of line in the last few days. I've, I've decided to hire help. So I'm actually going to use the money that I think about 30 beautiful um, patrons of this project are, are voluntarily donating on a monthly basis through the patreon.com slash making permaculture stronger page to hire a, um, an assistant. It's, it takes a lot of time to do the editing and videos and not I'm not complaining about that. I enjoy it. Um, and yet there's so much more I want to do. So I'm excited to, to be in a position where I'm going to have a helping hand, someone who can, can chip in. And on that front, I should mention in the last few weeks, another lovely form of assistance has come in the form of, of Finn Weddle, who's, who's over in Edinburgh. And we're meeting weekly to um, to advance the Making Permaculture Stronger book project. We made some a really exciting development last week in terms of how that's going to be structured. So I wanted to let you know that project is alive and well. And uh, I'm moving into a space of collaborating with other beautiful people really closely to to um, enable this project to, to 
grow and and evolve and express more of its uh, more of its, more of its self in the world. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of this. MakingPermaCultureStronger.net is where you'll find the, the base of this project and lots of interesting related conversations. And I very much look forward to catching you in episode 43. Take care till then. Thank you.